Welcome to the Single Parent Podcast. Whether you've been a single parent for a while now or have just started on your journey, the Single Parent Podcast is a safe place for single parents to get some great information and resources, hear the stories of fellow single parents, and connect with a strong and supportive community. We want to help you go from surviving to thriving. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Single Parent Podcast. We are so glad you were able to join us today. Uh, I'm going to toss over to Christina to introduce our lovely resource guest today. Hey, everybody. Today, I have the wonderful Susan Van Hart from Body Language Doula here with us. And actually, Susan, she had reached out to me and, well, to us, I should you know, this is a Christina. joint venture, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll include Christina. So oh, she she uh, she was probably trying to get in touch with the other Christina, but then she was stuck <laughs> with me. So, anyways, um, we decided to do a nice little collaboration for an expectant mama, and we thought it would be a great idea to have you on our podcast and share a little bit about what it is that you do, and how you support pregnant mamas. So tell us, what do you do to support moms? (laughs) For sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, That's a loaded question. I do offer, as a doula, I offer prenatal support. I offer birth support and I offer postpartum support. So everything from um, childbirth education, birth values, like uncovering your birth values, writing them down in a birth plan, that kind of thing. And then comfort measures and logistics while in labor. So I'll do everything from like running downstairs to take care of your parking to, you know, rubbing your butt while you're in labor, if that feels good to you. And it does. Um, it it does. does. <laughs> it should. Yeah. We appreciate um, the rubs. <laughs> And then postpartum support, so breastfeeding, a little bit of newborn care, uh, those kinds of new mom things, as well as just like if you need someone to grab you some groceries or help you tidy up around the house or um, whatever you might be um, having a challenge with. I like to say that the postpartum care that I offer is so that you can cuddle your newborn in a clean house because that's what I wanted. All I wanted was a clean house to be able to really sit down and just stare at my newborn and not look around and think about all the cleaning that I had to do. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I support moms. That <laughs> sounds know, amazing. I, I like, know, like I'm, I'm just, I love this because, and one thing that you, you mentioned, I don't think a lot of people recognize is there's so much about the prep before baby gets there, right? Like you, you have to get your room, the the crib ready and the baby's room ready and get all the clothes and how, you know, have your nesting time and then the birth. But I think a lot of people forget there's life after the baby actually gets here. And I remember with both my kids, that was actually quite a lonely time for me because once that initial period of everybody was able to kind of pitch in, there's that period of, holy crap, I'm on my own now. And especially if it's your first, that was, it felt like an atomic bomb for me because your whole world just shrinks down to this one little person, right? So I love that you provide post-birth care too. Do you find that there's um, more of a demand for one or the other? Not necessarily. I find that people are very focused on the birth support until, like you said, the baby arrives and then they're like, oh, I need some help. (laughs) Yeah. I can't, right? And so- so I think that um, that continued support is is really important. And you're right, like it, it is a life changing experience. Birth itself can be a very life changing experience. And then all of a sudden you have this this human that's dependent on you for their own existence that, you know, is having an existential crisis every time they open their eyes because they don't understand who they are without you. And all of a sudden you realize that you don't understand who you are without them. And you're a mom now and you're totally like redefined. Maybe. I mean, that was my experience. It sounds like Mm -hmm. yours was similar, Um, but it's a totally redefining experience. And that postpartum phase can be totally shocking. And you're right. You go through that nesting phase where you, you know, 
I think I asked my husband to move furniture like 17 times. And he's like, this is the last time. Like I'm not moving the crib again. And then the baby came and we moved everything all over again because you don't realize what you're going to need until the baby tells you what they need. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really big time in, um, you know, a woman's life, most, most moms, uh, will identify as women. Um, and, and it's hard to imagine, you know, I'm grateful. And I remember feeling really grateful during my postpartum phase that I have the privilege of being able to take, I took 14 months off, I think. Um, and I know like some places in the States, they get like three weeks or six weeks and I'm yeah. like, man, like it's, it's what like do you unfathomable. Like yeah. take your peri bottle to work day. Like I remember that. Like <laughs> so so for those who don't know what that is, that I'm talking to this probably the single dads who are listening to this, how would you tell us what what a peri bottle is? What a peri bottle is. Uh it's like a handheld bidet, basically. It's it's just a little uh squirt bottle that rinses you off down there so that you don't have to wipe your stitches off. And it hurts. It hurts, it hurts yeah. after you yeah. push a baby out. <laughs> yeah. There's recovery. There is recovery. And it's so important to recognize the physical, mm-hmm. mental, and emotional um, challenges or, or just circumstances, whether good or bad, whether challenging or not, that we all go through in our own way. And, and for the the single dads, you know, I think that can be one of the things that's challenging too, is that as moms, we have this life-changing experience. We're expecting that. And so it's less of a shock for us. Um, maybe, when, when, when our lives are significantly changed, but all of a sudden, um, you know, for dads, it's different too. And I think that can be part of, I know for me, it was a little bit of a gap that my husband and I had to really communicate around in order to feel like we truly understood and supported each other, um, in that postpartum period, right? Because we're both having such different experiences and yet the same experience Mm -hmm. and so the expectations are like well you're going through it too but we have to like drop those expectations and recognize how each of us are going through it in such different ways yeah I like that you said um I like when you had talked about how it's a life-changing experience because I know for me and many moms we don't talk about how traumatic actually childbirth can be because of the mm-hmm. things that happen during childbirth. And I had a conversation recently um, with a friend and, you know, there's a lot more talk about postpartum depression than there is about postpartum anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fear of like, is my baby going to be okay? Is the baby breathing? And like, you get so consumed by that. Um, so I didn't actually know that doulas provided postpartum support. Have you seen a lot of that support of like just helping in the mental aspect of like postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression? Like what do you do to support in that? Do you provide resources or is there something that you do? Yeah, for sure. I'm not a counselor or psychologist. And so it's not really my place to sort of say, um, to, to counsel, but it's definitely my place to provide resources. And I do have resources who specialize in birth trauma, um, and, uh, support to new moms, um, and to help them, to help new families recognize sort of the signs of postpartum depression and anxiety. And also not sure if you knew that postpartum OCD and psychosis is also a thing. So there's a lot of postpartum mental health to talk about that we don't talk about enough. And I think that can be really isolating, um, especially in a society where we have, you know, single family homes with, you know, maybe one or two parents and they're struggling through it, not realizing that all parents go through this, all toddlers, like this is not, there's nothing wrong with your child. This is a development phase kind of thing. Like we need to talk about these things in order to know that what we're going through is what everyone is going through and we're not doing it in isolation. 
and it's really interesting you you saying that it's you know childbirth is a trauma like people don't usually think of it right you think of it as this this happy occasion this life is coming into the world and that is absolutely true on the flip side in order to bring that life into the world our bodies do go through it, it's a trauma and a never, loss of identity almost. It, yeah, like, yeah. It really you know, is. Physically, your your body goes through so much to push out this human being. And then afterwards, you know, you have all of these, um, you know, th- these mental things to, to deal with, you know, from this release of hormones in the process of delivering this baby, right? And I know for myself, I actually went through postpartum depression and it got, it was bad. It was it really, scary. really bad. And I had to, yeah, what it was scary, you know, like having suicidal thoughts like that's how mm-hmm. far it went for me and it um I I did want to give a bit of a shout out to the Lois Hole Hospital for Women because that's where mm-hmm. I went to get help for for that because that was something I'd never had to deal with before you know and they they've got some counseling services there that I that I accessed but but the intensity of that feeling and then feeling guilty you know feeling yeah. guilty for having the feelings and feeling like well, there, there's something wrong with me. I should be happy to have my my kids. And I noticed it didn't happen with my first. I had my first by C-section. I had it with my second who I delivered vaginally and I had a VBAC with him. And mm-hmm. I, I learned afterwards when you have a baby that way, your body does release the hormones because it goes through the process of pushing out the baby, right? Yeah. Um, and and I, I like that you referred to it as a trauma, because I think we do a bit of a disservice for moms these days. Like you said earlier, you know, in the States, you have to be back at work within a month to two months. And, and I, I, it's, it's a trauma. You wouldn't expect somebody to, who goes through major surgery to be back at work that soon. Right. It's like, oh, people have babies every day. Well, yes, but (laughs) to do that is, is a lot. It's very taxing on us as women you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can, it can be traumatic, but it can be also, um, life-changing, right? True. Like it depends, it depends on your experience. And, um, I think that one of the biggest things that I see is when you exercise informed choice, when you know the benefits and risks, when you're actively involved in making decisions about your birth and it's not something that's just happening to you. And when you feel supported and respected, that can really make the difference between a birth being a traumatic experience and birth being that beautiful, bringing your baby into the world experience, right? Right. More empowering. Exactly. Yeah. I got to say, there's nothing more empowering than pushing another human out and literally like bringing this right? thing into the world, you know, yeah. like, looking back, I'm like, we're, our bodies are pretty amazing, aren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. It's incredible. <laughs> the things that they do and the ways that they, um, you know, adjust to protect your, your baby and you in order to bring this human life into the world. Like if you really stop and think about these these two cells that your baby originated from that's just crazy to think about right it's like fascinating to me absolutely like, incredible <laughs> yeah and then to look at you know your child or your toddler and look at their little personality and just think that they came from two cells you know that's just such an incredible thing to think about. Um, and that's one of the things actually, um, I'm currently pregnant. And uh, in the beginning was just so busy with my toddler that I had a difficult time bonding with this pregnancy the way that I did with my first. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what helped me to really bond with this pregnancy was knowing that when this baby comes, she's going to have a personality of her own. She's going to have the same, you know, bright eyes and big smile that my son has. And that, that character that, you know, my son is such an imp, like he's just (laughs) into everything and he's jumping (laughs) off everything. And like, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way, but it is the hardest part. My husband and I have talked about this before that, that like, he's, he's really tough and courageous and 
I admire that in him and I strive to be like that because of him. And yet it's the hardest part about parenting him. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I grew up with sisters. And when my little guy came along, I was so excited. And I found, I found out, you know, it sounds like you, you found out as well that you're having a girl. I found yeah. out I was having a boy and I called my mom. I was so excited. I'm like, yay, I'm having a boy. And then I paused and said, I don't know what to do with a boy. And then my mom said, well, don't ask me. I had girls. So you're on your own chicky. Like, but I hear what you're saying. Like it's boys are, are delightfully rambunctious. They just yeah. get into it. Not all boys. Some boys are very, you know, quieter and, and all of that, but it sounds like our, our boys have similar personalities. You're like, I just really hope we don't get on a first name basis with the ER staff when you yeah, yeah. get older. <laughs> <laughs> that's my concern exactly he's always bonking his face on something <laughs> like just watch out watch your head like just be careful <laughs> I used to want to put the kids in bubbles when they were that young because yes. I remember we had an ER visit with my youngest she was on a chair uh, like and the hardwood floor was right under her and I remember it was starting to swing the chair and I like ran slow motion and she went flying banged her chin on the floor no. I was like oh no I was like okay look up and it was just like blood and gush and I was like oh and I was like I'm gonna throw up I was like Olivia go get some paper towel or something <laughs> and then so she runs and she's like my sister's gonna die I'm like no she's not she just needs stitches a lot of them but she needs stitches <laughs> So yes, oh my kids are crazy. So like it just happens so quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like so for for the services that you offer, then so with with the postpartum care, um, with with the actual birth, what can people expect from a doula? Because I'm not sure if I, I would have loved to have a doula, but maybe just give Same. us a sense of what you know what exactly a doula. Uh, does and the benefits of having a doula for this process? Yeah, for sure. So um, a doula is not clinical. That's the most important thing to, to differentiate um, between your primary care provider and your doula is that you're not going to get clinical advice from your doula. You're going to get um, education. So information about um, your options. Um, doulas are very much about informed choice and knowing the benefits and risks of the choices that you have in childbirth and um, using evidence-based information to really be able to uncover your birth values, come up with a birth plan, communicate with your care team and feel really involved in uh, the process. So doulas help you take, um, you know, we hear comments all the time, like, okay, I'm going to do this now. Um, no, that's uh, not informed choice. Informed choice is you have the option to have your water broken now. Here's the benefits. Here's the risks. That's what a doula will will help you to uh, realize is that you don't you you have um, you have to give consent and you have a right to know the benefits and risks before um, before you do give consent. Um, to any intervention or any procedure or any choice that you're facing in childbirth. Um, doulas offer comfort measures. So uh, things like counter pressure, double hip squeeze, um, things like as simple as a warmer cool washcloth on your forehead or on your back, like those things can make a huge difference um, in labor and especially a very long labor. Um, and then yeah, those postpartum support um, options as well. There's a lot of like controversial, like parenting techniques and stuff like that. And, and we can offer, um, evidence-based information to help you make decisions, um, about your sleep arrangements, your, uh, feeding arrangements, your, um, newborn care and that kind of thing as well. Um, yeah. That sounds that's fantastic. actually really interesting because that's another question I have. What's the difference? And I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't know the difference because I know I don't fully know the difference. What's the difference between a doula and a midwife? So a midwife is clinical. A midwife okay. is 
can do most of the same things that an OB can do. Um, a doula is not clinical. So like doulas do not perform vaginal exams or administer any um, treatments or um, drugs or uh, anything, anything clinical. Doulas don't make clinical uh, recommendations. So I would never say, you know, you should take X drug. I would say uh, you have the option to speak with your care provider about X drug. Here's the benefits and here's the risks. So to me, I feel like a doula is the husband I never had. <laughs> like pressure points, education. I mean, that sounds like a really good support network. I could have used a doula. <laughs> you know what? I was married and I could have used a doula. So I'm there just, you I'm go. just putting that out there right well, now. Well, maybe it takes the pressure off of uh, the husband or the spouse or whatever the case is, the partner. True. Um, and then the doula can take over in some of those areas. Well, see, and that's an important point, too, is that a doula never replaces a partner. Um, and a, um, a, so doulas offer, you know, education and experience and skills, whereas a partner offers, you know, they have that background, they have intimacy. And one of the things we know about labor is that oxytocin plays a really important role in labor in contracting your uterus. And so, and also bringing in breast milk and like oxytocin is just such an important hormone. And um, partners <laughs> are one of the most important um they play one of the most important roles in helping your body to release oxytocin, whether it's a partner's touch, whether it's something like as intimate as nipple stimulation, like those things all help um, release oxytocin and can really help your labor to progress if um, if things are stalling. So I would really? say, like, sorry, a, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck on that last recommendation you made there because I never would have thought that that would be I've something. I've heard of it. Really? I've never I've heard, heard of, of this it. before. It's a thing. I wasn't, I wasn't for it. I was like, no, just leave me alone. I want to die. Um, it was awful. <laughs> I didn't I never touched at all. <laughs> yeah. Like the only thing I wanted was a back rub. I was like, just keep putting pressure on my back and my, my friend, Laura, thank God. Like she literally was there for me during my labor. And I was like, I need you to push harder. She's like, I got this. And she was like, I'm so tired. <laughs> Cause let you bring for three days. Yeah. Your hands get sore. <laughs> if you don't have a birth partner, a doula is a very good option for you. But if you do have a birth partner, you also don't have to worry that a doula is going to replace your birth partner or take away from any of those really intimate moments that can happen between you and your birth partner during your birth. So do you have like a lot of single moms that you, that you help with this? Cause obviously like we're, we're part of a quite a large single mom community and, um, I, I'm, I'm curious if you have a lot of single moms who, um, who, who use you and what your experience with single moms has been. Uh, so not yet. I am still fairly new to the doula world. And so I'm just kind of figuring out who, um, who I support because really I support everyone. I support all birth values and anyone who wants a doula, I strongly feel should have the right to have a doula. Um, so it's really just sort of anyone who is really sort of excited about being involved in their birth experience and, and wants that empowerment that, like I was saying, you, some people are just so overwhelmed by all the information. They're like, just tell me what to do. That's fine. That's great. But um, if you are, if you really want to have the information and to um, be involved in those decisions as well, um, that's when a doula is, is really important. So I do have, uh, one single mom, uh, right now, but, um, you know, outside of that, I, I very much support, um, families, what, and whatever that may look like to you, whatever your family looks like. Well, right? there's so many different types of families. So I exactly. feel like that's, that's a good thing. I, I think when I was pregnant, I've I heard I remember hearing about like doulas and that kind of thing but one of the things that struck me while I was pregnant was everything was so expensive like I gotta buy this I gotta buy that um 
maybe I just have a misconception, but like our doula is expensive because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of parents need to know, like, what are they looking at for cost? Because we're taking on a lot of new cost. And I think it's mm. a really special experience to have a doula. And if I did it again, I would have loved to have a doula. Like, amazing. But right. what is like, I don't mean to pry, but like, what's the cost no. like, girl? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> My rate for birth support is $900. And that includes uh, three prenatal sessions, three postpartum sessions, birth support. I, uh, of course, not hourly. Can you imagine? Like, oh, I gotta push this baby out. <laughs> We're gonna go get charged for an extra hour. Like, no, 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 like I'm there for you. <laughs> I'm just picturing. I'm sorry. I'm just picturing that in my head. It's like, okay, you gotta push this baby out in the next two hours because that's as long as you have yeah. before. It's, I just, uh, it looks like we're going into overtime actually we're past the 10 hour mark um so it's gonna be pay and a half after 20 hours i do double time and then triple time after boarding just so you know um i have heard of doulas um charging hourly or requests of doulas for an hourly charge and i would just never want um that to be something that my client is thinking about while they're in labor um you mm -hmm. have enough to think about you have enough on your plate and yes. i just can't imagine um yeah charging hourly so it's a 900 flat rate and i'm there for you whether it takes you know four hours or four days which i recently attended a four-day labor wow. um how was how was that experience like you're there for the entire four days uh, so it was kind of a come and go type thing, um, between me and, and the midwife and the partner and, and, uh, we just made sure that there was coverage and support, um, sort of as necessary and, and stayed very in touch by, you know, text and phone. And, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's a long patient process it's a very long patient process so Jeez, four days yeah. I mean I was in labor for almost 24 hours with my second oh I can't I can't time. even imagine yeah, <laughs> yeah I was, was in labor was for almost 50 hours both times like That's it insane. was insane I was induced with both like I had high blood pressure with both my kids so I didn't go into labor naturally and mm. um being induced sucked because like it sort of just hits you immediately. And I was like, if I could have done it the other way, I would have much rather. Because my mom always said she was, she's gone through both. And she's like, oh, getting induced is awful. Like, you feel oh, the pain 100%. way faster. It, like, hits you fast and furious. And I just remember thinking, it has to end soon because I know what my body can handle. And this is it. Yeah. <laughs> I was I'm at two centimeters. <laughs> It's funny you talk about induction because I, I had to do that with my with my first. I actually had a condition called pups, P U P P S, and I can't remember what what it stands mm -hmm. for, but it's it's a uterine condition where when you are pregnant, your skin breaks out in a raised itchy rash because of the pregnancy hormones. So I tease my daughter now that I was allergic to her <laughs> in my womb, uh, but basically that's what it is, and the only way to get rid of it is to have the baby. For some, it doesn't mm -hmm. always clear up after you have the baby, but generally oh, you have to have your baby. So for me, I was like, right, due date's coming up and we're, we're doing this, I can't handle anymore. Cause it was all over my belly. It was all over my arms and my legs. And it was just, it was awful. Lotion didn't help nothing. So we went in for the induction and I got the drugs. And they were like, well, you can, you know, leave for a little bit until you feel it and you can come back. So. My then husband said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want a burger. If I'm going to go yeah. into labor, I want a burger and ice cream and all the rest of it. And no joke, we got up to the window to get our food and the first contraction hit. And the poor teenage guy who's giving us the food through the window is looking so freaked out and is not knowing what's going on. And my ex-husband was just looking at me and he said, he's having a baby. And I was like, Thank you for you know, just like holding the food. The poor teenage dude didn't know what to do. <laughs> it's it can be alarming, and especially when you know what we see Hollywood has us preconditioned to panic 
in the face of of labor and it doesn't need to be a panic situation like like you said what 50 hours 24 hours I was in labor for 18 hours like there's no rush guys actually there's I mean there's sometimes is but there usually is um a lot of time to um get to your birthing location and um you know start exercising whatever birth values you choose and um or like the water breaking Like the water breaking is like this big dramatic, oh, the water's breaking. That means the baby's coming right now. Tell us how accurate that is. I was like, did I just pee? Like, it's (laughs) (laughs) not actually like that. Tell us how accurate that is. Like when your water breaks, is that like, okay, baby's coming right now. Water breaking is uh, definitely a sign to, you know, call your care provider um, and let them know that like labor is moving along. Um, But no, I wouldn't say that water breaking is like a sign that the head is there, you know, you're crowning. (laughs) No, yeah, exactly. Like it's usually just a sign that baby is engaging um, into the birth canal and starting the labor process. Um, so water breaking is still quite an early uh, sign of labor. I just immediately went to my own labors and like, I'm like, mm-hmm. my water didn't break. They broke it for me with that big hook thing and it hurt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. It, it was does. awful. I'm, I'm yeah. like you, like I'm remembering going through the, the birthing process now. And mm-hmm. I, I got to say, like, I, I was hoping for a home birth to be honest, mm-hmm. I really wanted to have a home birth with, with my first, but my then husband was dead set against it. He was like, no, I don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. doing this at home. And looking back on it, I really wish we had. Um, but I also recognized that at the time, my, I actually had to have an emergency C-section because my daughter, what had happened was the cord got wrapped around her neck and anytime I pushed, her heart rate would drop is what mm-hmm. they they found out later when they went in to do the C-section. So um, af- after having that, I kind of gave up on my, you know, my dream of having a home birth because I would love nothing more than than to be at home, you know. Um, is, is that something that you talk about with your clients? Like, do you, in, as a doula, do you help them build a birth plan or do you just help facilitate it? I absolutely help to uh, build a birth plan. Uh, that's a big part of, um, you know, uncovering your birth values um, is, is to say um, what's more important to you, the benefit of this choice or avoiding the risk of that choice, right? And so, um, yeah, and I also provide evidence-based information to be able to um, help you make decisions like that, because that is a really good point that a lot of um, couples often face is that the, you know, usually it's uh, the birthing person who wants a home birth and it's the partner who is afraid of the risks of a home birth. And um, there is actually a lot of evidence that home birth is at least as safe as um, a hospital birth. And a, a big part of that is because you're able to avoid what's called the cascade of interventions. So as soon as you go to the hospital, you have these opportunities to manage your birth. And each time you choose an intervention, there's benefits and risks to it. And so if you face the risks, then those risks need to be managed with a new intervention. And so sometimes just being away from those interventions can help you um, to avoid the risks of the interventions. And so there's some um, theory that that's part of the reason that a home birth can be equally as as safe is that, birth is a a natural process that doesn't actually necessarily need to be managed. With that said, there are definite benefits to having Western medicine. Um, So I don't want to sound like um, I'm advocating for only home birth. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I do advocate for is the birthing person's right to choose the environment where they feel safest. And that goes back to oxytocin. Because if you're feeling stressed, your body is going to produce adrenaline so that you can have a fight or flight response so that you can protect yourself and your baby while you're in labor. 
And if you're producing adrenaline, it's going to interfere with the production of oxytocin. And we need that oxytocin to have contractions and keep labor progressing. So if, um, if you're going to be most comfortable at home, if the birthing person <laughs> who needs the oxytocin is yes. going to be most comfortable at home, then the birthing person should have the right to make that choice. Um, and hopefully what we can do is provide enough evidence to um, the birth partner or, you know, the mother-in-law or whoever is, <laughs> is arguing that this is a bad option. Um, hopefully we can provide enough evidence to say um, this is a valid choice and there are benefits and risks either way. And um, this is body autonomy is to be able to exercise that choice. Right. So Oh, I love Hopefully that. we can empower the birthing person in that way. That That's that amazing. was something like, I, I, I wish I would have had you, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, 11 <laughs> years ago when I, when I wanted to do this. Um, Cause that, that was something I always regretted was not being able to be at home because mm-hmm. after having the emergency C-section, I was automatically deemed high risk. Didn't matter mm-hmm. how long after the C-section it was. Um, I was deemed high risk. And so I, it was a foregone conclusion. I was going to the hospital again, which really sucked. Cause I really would have loved to, you know, have the birthing pool experience and, and all of that. Although I will say <laughs> morphine <laughs> is a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. Epidural. It did nothing for me. It did nothing for you. Oh I man, girl. High. I really? was like, what is this? I'm like, or I remember I had the laughing gas too. I was like, give me mm-hmm. something. And I remember I was like pretending as if it was a doobie, not that I smoke or anything, but I was like, <laughs> Like, I was just like, take the pain away. Like, I just remember I was so tense. Like, I couldn't release. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I was just like, oh, now I just feel lightheaded. I want to throw up. Like, it didn't work for me. I just was like, can someone get this kid out so I can feel normal again? Oh, honey. See, I like my experience with the morphine was great. I like they gave it to me and I got it all settled. And then all of us, the, the nurse came in to check on me and the machine beside me just went nuts. It was like, beep, 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 beep. And I just looked at it and said, what's, what's it doing? And she looked at me and said, you're having a contraction, honey. I was like, oh, <laughs> didn't and then you feel, just laughed. I, mean, I did. I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> you didn't, didn't feel it at all. So there is something to be said for having those drugs and, and all of that. And honestly, if that's what it was like with the drugs, I don't know if I would have done very well without, yeah. because when you're a home birth, right, you don't, and, and maybe you can, you can challenge me on that there, uh, Susan, but my understanding is when you do a home birth, you don't have access to those things. You have to do it. Oh, naturel. Is that right? So midwives generally carry, um, like life-saving, uh, measures. So things like an oxygen tank, they carry Pitocin that is normally reserved for if there is hemorrhage, um, that kind of thing. So yeah, I would say um, au naturel is is typically the choice when it comes to um, home birth. And I would also say that um, for me, the controversy around things like epidurals is a very frustrating feminist issue because mm-hmm. because I hear so many people say that they were either denied an epidural and a woman should never be denied an epidural if she wants a pain-free birth and understands the benefits and risks. And I hear a lot of people saying that they were pressured into an epidural and a woman should never be pressured into an epidural mm-hmm. when her birth values are to um have to have a, her baby naturally right and so so for me it's really frustrating and then after the fact you know after you maybe choose to have an epidural or not to have an epidural you're judged that people either say say to you you, you hear things like um, oh, what, what do you want a medal because you had natural childbirth or they'll say things to you like, oh, you had an epidural, like, oh, you couldn't handle pain. Hey, like, why are we judging wow. people for these choices? And, and so then you feel, you know, afterwards you might feel disappointment. You might feel guilt for Shame. the choice that yeah. you made, even if it was a choice that you hadn't originally planned on making, maybe it was a choice that you felt pressured into. And it's just so hard to see 
those things happen because childbirth is just such a personal process. Everybody experiences it differently and everybody has different values around the childbirth experience that deserve to be honored. Right. And, and, you know, I always say birth is like a fingerprint. It's very unique to you. It's your story. It belongs. That story belongs to you and your baby and you deserve Mm -hmm. to have a positive experience, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's, you know, pain management because you don't want to feel pain during labor <laughs> or, or a natural childbirth in a birthing pool at home. Mm-hmm. That's right. You right. know what? I love that because mm-hmm. you get so much judgment, even um, natural, ber- uh, natural birth versus a C-section. Like someone's yeah. like, oh, you had a C-section. That's not a real birth. It's like, what? She had major surgery. Are you I'm joking? sorry. There's a baby. Is there not a baby? There's a baby, right? Yeah, there's a baby. She went through birth. And exactly. uh, it, it frustrates me when I hear things like that. And just like... Yeah, people judging on how you went about your birth plan when yeah. really, like you said, it's your plan. It's your story. Yeah. Um, I tried to be a hero. I tell all my friends, I tried to be a hero with my first daughter and I didn't get an epidural till closer to the end. And then I was like, what was I thinking? I'm crazy. Give me the drugs, please. Give me the drugs. <laughs> you were rolling up the sleeves. Like, you were you were tightening that yeah. thing on your arm. You're like, do me up. Come on. <laughs> well, my values when I first, you know, I was like, I want to do it like pain free. I wanted to like just feel everything. But then like reality hit in and I was like, oh, this actually really fucking hurts. So I want the drugs. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, I remember my anesthesiologist came in and was like, yeah, you need to hold your back like a screeching cat on Halloween. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> I am in the middle of a contraction. I And he's like, you're not sitting right. I'm like, I've never done this before. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm don't doing. Practice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, so I finally got, they got it in. And I just remember like 20 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever it was. And then the pain was gone. And I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, mm-hmm. like it right? was just like. And it only lasted for six hours and I started throwing up and it wore off and I was oh. like, I felt everything again. Oh. And then with my second, I begged for that epidural and these mother Fs did not give it to me. And they're like, you're not far yeah. enough dilated. I'm like, listen, I can't <laughs> dilate because I'm stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah no, and it's you went tough. through 50 hours of that. Good grief, girl. Like, I thought mine was long enough. I, I, got, I got nothing on you girl like I I couldn't imagine going 50 hours like that and that's the thing the other thing I really liked about the idea of having it at home because once you go into Mm -hmm. the hospital you can't have anything to eat that's always bothered me like and I I, and for those of you who can't see Susan's kind of tilting her head from side to side like a what (laughs) well that was I did I snapped you know that's been my experience it's yeah yeah, you, you're so exhausted. You don't have any energy. Like I know when it came time for me to push my son out, I was so beside. I had nothing to eat for almost 24 hours, and I don't know how I how I did that. So I like I can't imagine you going through 50 hours, girl. You know, or 18 hours for you. Well, like I that. was lucky when I was induced with my second daughter. I wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm like so in the beginning, like I don't feel anything. Can I go home? Like, can I have a release and I'll come back and you can check on me again? They're like, yeah, that's fine. We'll use your bed. So <laughs> I went, I made, I was starting to have contractions. I was like, I'm going to make some pasta. Like I'm hungry. So I legit made myself pasta. <laughs> Nice. ate my pasta and I drove myself back to the hospital. You drove I, yourself back? Her dad wasn't around. I drove Girl. myself to the hospital when I was wow. a neighbor. You know, yeah. that would have been an excellent story if you'd gotten stopped by a cop and you'd be like, yeah. baby, escort me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you like yeah. to stay, officer, mm-hmm. sir? <laughs> yeah. I would have much rather labored at home. It's yeah. a different feeling. Like, I'd rather be in pain by myself than like in a hospital bed hooked up to everything and hearing people screaming and it yeah. wasn't even me yet like <laughs> it can be alarming walking through labor and delivery but it's also I mean 
kind of beautiful if you think about the power that's behind those moans instead of like the pain that's behind them and I know for me one of the things that um (laughs) this is I can't believe I'm admitting this on your podcast but I'm going to is that the pain made me want to keep my son alive more because I was like I just went through so much to bring your little life into this world like nothing better happened to you like it just I feel like it was a huge driving factor behind that mama bear like protective instinct hell yeah Um, yeah for me it was anyway but totally I love that yeah yeah that was that was something that I felt with my second I didn't feel that so much with my first but I was also super exhausted and under the influence of drugs in the operating room and I don't right. remember much after them putting her on my chest. And right. so I was way more aware of what was going on with my son. And I'm so glad yeah. I got to experience that because all I remember is kind of flashes after them putting her on my chest. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I remember seeing the ceiling moving past as I'm looking up because they were wheeling me back to my room. And then the next thing I remember is being in the room with my eyes, you know, waking up and then seeing her beside me and then realizing I'm a mom now there she is. It was like this kind of surreal moment where like, Oh, there she is. Because I didn't remember I was, I didn't actually like see her being born. Right. That whole changing moment. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with, um, maybe just give us a sense with the, you know, with the types of of births that that you've gone through like what are what are some of the unique experiences you've you've had as a doula I know you're you know you're you're starting out but it sounds like you've had some experiences so far so what have been some kind of moments that have stood out for you in in your experiences as a doula so far um I would say one of the biggest moments that stood out to me was uh, kind of what we were talking about earlier with that, uh, the importance of a partner, um, because I um, <clears throat> was helping a woman um, through her contractions in early labor. And she was like, I just need to lie down for a little while. And so I got her comfortable in a, in a nice position in bed and her husband lay down beside her. And, and I said, I'm just gonna be in the next room. And I gave them an hour alone together and I all of a sudden heard just this spike in intensity and um, her contractions went from like 45 seconds and five to six minutes apart to about 55 seconds and about a minute, minute 20 apart. So all of a sudden there was this intense progress and it was um nipple stimulation you know that, that just giving these partners some alone time um was just an amazing um moment of intimacy that really contributed to the progress of her labor and so I I think that's a, a huge part of um of, of birthing and of of the beauty that I see in birth is is when partners kind of do it together um, and I know, sorry, Christina's kind of smiling, nodding and, you know, it's, it's really hard when, when you maybe don't, um, don't have that same experience, um, because it can be really empowering to be really lifted up by a person who you feel, um, intimately connected to. And there's this famous midwife named Ina Mae Gaskin, who says that um, partners should be a part of the birth process because they helped get the baby in there. So they should help get mm-hmm. the baby out, yes, right? I and agree. So, Absolutely. Um, and so everything from, you know, massage to um, helping with different positions and, and stuff like that can, can bring a lot of um, intimacy and beauty to the birth process and can really distract and change that perspective. Like we talk a lot about the pain. We talk a lot about, you know, whatever, Harry bottles and peeing ourselves or whatever, <laughs> whatever is really hard about birth. Collapsed but, pelvic um, floors and all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reason that I have to take a COVID test on the toilet is I yes. pee so hard that I literally pee my pants. Oh no! <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> so in my household, it's not, honey, can you pass the toilet paper? It's, honey, can you pass the COVID test? But, 
But yeah, so it's um, a really, it can be a really intimate experience when partners really come together in that birth process and change the perspective on pain to um, that perspective that we're doing this together and we're bringing this baby into the world. I think that's really big. And I, I love that that's, that there are partners out there who do that. And, and to you men out there who do that for your wives, for your partners, girlfriends, whatever the relationship is, shout out to you. I mean, we do the, we do the heavy lifting when it comes, when it comes to birth, but for those of you who recognize that you also play an important role in, in the birthing process, like we hats off to you guys, because, um, I know my experience with both my births, I didn't really feel like I was supported in the way that I needed to be. I mean, he did the best he could with the capacity he had, but it wasn't what I needed. And I know for Christina, I mean, you, you did it by yourself, girl. I don't know how the second time, the first time I had my, my daughter's dad was there and he was actually an incredible support system um, when we were together. And he literally was like, you can do this. And I remember I did it because he motivated me and I was like, okay, we're going to do this together. And like, it was intense, like, and it helped to have someone there. And then when I was doing it alone, like just with like a friend, my mom, like they were there, but it's not the same with having a partner. Like I've been on both sides of it and it's quite an experience not having a partner there. And I salute a lot of single parents who are pregnant and going to know that they're giving birth and not having a partner there. Usually that's, you usually see that people are together and then they split up after the baby comes because life gets real. But yeah. <laughs> but sometimes single yes. parents, they, they do it from the get-go, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. But I can see where you're coming from too, Christina. Like if they're there and they're not doing what you need them to do or maybe the communication wasn't open. I'm assuming, does it do a help with that communication piece? Like for the two parents together. Like, I feel like that would be so helpful for people who are expecting like, ah, should I get a doula? Should I not? Maybe that's something that would be good for them to know if you help with the communication. Yeah. And so a doula is that we have that background knowledge of the skills and, and different sort of, um, you know, touch that feels good during labor or different sort of um, comfort measures that are known to feel good during labor. And then I can help the partner by showing them how to do it or by saying, oh, this might be really beneficial to her at this time. Do you want to do it? Like, do you want to get in the shower with her? Do you want to go lie down in bed with her or whatever it might be that I think is um, a good comfort measure for that point in time? Or maybe it's something that we discussed in a prenatal meeting, um, like a visualization or a breathing exercise that I can walk them through one and then the partner can take take over kind of thing. And I can kind of like disappear into the, into the sideline. <laughs> so the, the Homer Simpson slow fade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everybody knows the gif I'm talking about Homer Simpson going into the bushes and just, yes, yes, yes. 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 <laughs> exactly, exactly like that. And just give them some sort of intimate time together so that they can really uh, relaxation is just such an important part of, of allowing that oxytocin to flow. And if you feel relaxed and supported, um, mm-hmm. that's a really huge part of it as well. And I, I agree, like that thought of, of doing it alone is something that like, I feel fear when I think of doing it alone, but I also see there's a lot of people right now practicing something called pre-birth, which is, where it's just you and your partner and it's not clinically assisted. And there are doulas who support free birth. Um, I am certified. So uh, my certification um, doesn't allow me to support free birth because we don't wanna create any gray areas between a doula's role of clinical and non-clinical support, right? So you're, it, so I support, you know, midwives in providing the clinical care and I support my client in a non-clinical way. Um, but I also look at free birth and I, it's, it's, I really admire it. Um, but I just did not have any interest in it for myself. Like I was like, I do not want to go through a single contraction without someone holding my hand. Right. Like yeah. I want that <laughs> partnership. <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. So where, where can people find you 
to to follow you to um, you know get some more information? Where can people find you? For sure, I'm Body Language Doula on Facebook and Instagram. And I have a website as well, bodylanguagedoula.ca that you can check out um, for a little bit more about my story and my packages and rates. Fantastic. And so just to, to wrap up, what, what message would you want to give um, pregnant women, partners of pregnant women? What's, what's kind of your, what, what people, what you, I'm going to try that again, because I just lost the plot on that question. Holy (laughs) smokes. Okay, let's try that again. (laughs) So what would you want people to take away from the info that you have here today? And what message would you have for uh, pregnant women and maybe partners of pregnant women as well? So I was inspired to become a doula by my great, great grandmother, who was a midwife. And I just picture her looking down at all the anxieties that we face around childbirth today. And I just picture her shaking her head and saying, it doesn't have to be this hard. And I would say that is a really important message that when a birthing person feels supported throughout labor and childbirth, they can release their anxieties about the process and see the beauty in the situation. And that goes for postpartum as well. Um, And so that's really my goal is to support people to be able to shift that perspective on, you know, birth, kind of what we were talking about as a birth as a traumatic experience or as an anxious experience to birth as a beautiful experience and the first moments to really bond with your baby. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast, for sharing all your awesome info with us. Susan is absolutely a delight. Yeah. Collabing with us, you know, I'm like, man, if I ever decide that I want to be crazy and have another baby, that sort of rhymes. (laughs) (laughs) Totally hire a doula. Like I feel like, yeah, Susan, this is everything. I wish I would have done this because you know, I have the same sort of idea as Christina. Like, I'm like, now that I've given birth to two children and I've done it basically pain-free, I would totally do a water birth. I would do a water birth. I'd be like, yo, I'm here. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. My friend did one. She brought her birth, like her little water tub thing to the hospital. Yeah. I didn't I know you could do that. Pool. Yeah, I have a birth. A pro- mine is the professional birth pool, so it can be used for multiple births. And we just mm-hmm. um, put in a liner and practice, um, you know, thorough cleaning afterwards. And um, <laughs> it, yeah. I thought you just it, left it like that. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Oh, my God. Uh, and yeah, I, it comes with me. I keep it in a hockey bag and it rolls along with me to the hospital and it, it rolls along with me to your to your home birth or wherever. Mm. Um, and it's included in my uh, package um, because I personally, um, like I gave birth at home in water and I can't imagine doing it any other way because it was just, I really had a quite an ideal birth experience. Um, not to brag. I want to <laughs> amazing. I'm like, I'm low key jealous. I'm like, I want that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I had an amazing support team. And I think a big part of the reason that I was able to build the support team that I had was because I was diagnosed with, I was diagnosed with MS in 2011. And I went through the medical system. And I have had multiple care providers and, um, multiple information coming at me and I've had to make numerous decisions about my health and have really realized the importance of of you know body autonomy and informed choice to me and so I had a, a doula and a midwife who were very informative very educational and I felt um involved in um I my birth values and my birth choices all along the way. Um, And I felt supported in exercising those birth values and choices. And, um, and I was also just a little bit lucky that I had no uh, serious complications because um, even when 
you exercise informed choice, um, Earth is kind of like canoeing down a river. And sometimes you encounter rapids and you have no paddles and you just have to go with it, right? So, yeah. so sometimes you just got to go with it. But um, I, I was fortunate enough that I was um, well supported and had no complications. So I love that for you. I really do. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And like I said, sharing your knowledge with us. Um, don't forget to hit subscribe on the podcast so you can get all our um, latest, newest episodes when they come out. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And uh, oh my gosh, I can't speak today. Christina, can you help me out? Can you do the wrap up? Yeah. Yeah. I can't do this. <laughs> Thank you so much, Susan, for coming on today. We appreciate all of your insight. And if anyone is looking for a doula, she's right here. Go check her out at Body Language Doula on Facebook or Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to Single Parent Podcast and follow us along on our crazy journey. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts, you'll find us. So go listen to the episodes. Let us know what you think and stay tuned for the next episode. You can find more great episodes featuring helpful information and amazing stories by searching Single Parent Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or visit www.lifesongfilms.com and click podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, we're we're all all in this together. together.